This is Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. I am David Dunham, and you just heard from the MVP of MLS, of course, Carlos Vela. The greatest season I have ever seen with my eyes in MLS is rewarded justly with M- the MVP, and he thrashed the competition, rightfully so. Look, I want to know if there's anybody who didn't vote for Carlos Vela as MVP. And I tweeted out at, at Talk Soccer. I've, t- I've tweeted this out at you know other occasions on certain things, but with voting in sports, if you didn't vote for Carlos Vela as MVP, you should never vote for anything related to MLS again. I mean, it was just that simple. Not every year is like that, of course. And a tip of the cap to several players who had great years. Make no mistakes. Zlatan Ibrahimovic had 30 goals. Joseph Martinez missed a few games, remember, and had 27 Fabulous players. Had great years. Maxi Morales was unreal for NYCFC. A. Bear had a great season. Diego Rossi had a great season. Again, if his, if he was playing, you know, in any other year or for any other team, or, you know, maybe if Carlos Vela was, who knows? They all had magnificent seasons, but come on. It's not even close. Like, it, not even close. It shouldn't be. It should be whatever the vote should have been. It should have been 100% for Carlos Vela. Now, I don't know how they tally that. It might have been a weighted type of vote. I'm not sitting here trying to pick on anybody. You may have seen like the voting results. I, I don't know enough about the machinations of how MLS does it to criticize anybody specifically. But if you didn't vote in full force for Carlos Vela as the MVP, you should never get a vote again. I mean, sometimes it's just that easy. And he made it that easy with the best season in MLS history. 34 goals. Oh, by the way, 15 assists. The dude was responsible for 49 goals. Now, to put that into perspective, that's more goals than D.C. United, a playoff team, scored. That's more goals than RSL scored. The whole team. He was responsible for more goals than RSL or D.C. United, both playoff teams, scored all year. Just by himself. Unbelievable. Magnificent. Not so magnificent. The U.S. Under-17 World Cup, well, journey is a little bit, uh, you know, harsh to say, is over. And it wasn't magnificent. Oh, boy. Again, these are under-17. These are 17-year-olds or 16-year-olds. I'm not going to criticize any play, right? Specifically. These are kids. It's not about that, though. But yet another failure for the men's side of the U.S. national team that will likely go you know, unpunished, essentially. I mean, what are we doing? They get a draw against Japan, who happened to win the group, Group D. Got beat by Senegal, trounced. Got beat by Nether- the Netherlands, trounced. 4-1 and 4-0, respectively. I mean, come on! Scored one goal in three matches, gave up eight. I mean, what are you doing? What are we doing? This may well be the low point of all of U.S. men's soccer. And I don't mean, you know, 1980. Ever since we started qualifying every year or every time for the World Cup, this might be the nadir. This might be the lowest point of the entire system of U.S. men's soccer. Because, you know, the women's game is thriving. We're champs. But... Here's the thing, and it got me thinking, because constantly we we are just disappointed on the men's side lately, right? Now it can turn, look, 
we've got a future, don't worry. But it's frustrating. Here's the thing that got me thinking, and it kind of, maybe it's just my mindset because I am in such a negative space with the men, that I got a little worried. What happens if the U.S. women, when when they start to slip, or not even slip, the rest of the world's catching up to them. The U.S. women are fabulous. They don't even have to slip, but the rest of the world tactically, technically, they're catching up. They are. I mean, the U.S. are still the best. But when other countries that are more solid with their leadership catch us and pass us potentially, will the U.S. women ever be able to get it back? That's a long way down the line in my estimation. And that's no disrespect to the women playing the game. That's not the point. The point is the organization of U.S. soccer. That's what had me get me to the chills. That if if the women's game ever does get passed up by other nations, and, and I don't just mean one country having a great World Cup or something like that, of course, that can happen. I'm talking about just literally being passed over and passed up by Europe or South America. Or, you know, you get the point. Tons of countries starting to catch up. Asia has some several very good women's teams. Will they ever be able to get it back? Do you have a whole lot of confidence that U.S. soccer can right this ship, can steer it in the right? I'm sorry. It just, it was a debacle again. And it doesn't seem like anything really matters. We scream about it on Twitter because we care as fans. We talk about it here, and it just doesn't seem that anybody cares over in Chicago that we lose and we lose badly. Well, it's the U-17s. Come on, it's not really about that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it is. You go to a World Cup, it's about winning. It's about performances. You didn't have either one. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. It is kind of scary. You know what else is scary? We talked about it, of course. LAFC, I'm starting to get, you know, the wounds are starting to heal a bit with not going to the uh, to the MLS Cup Final, MLS Cup Final on Sunday. Seattle and Toronto FC, we'll talk about that. I'll have my MLS Cup preview. You know me. This is the league I love. I always have since the first ball was kicked, since Eric Winalda curled that beautiful first goal in the history of MLS. I was watching it since that day. It's going to be hard for me to watch MLS Cup on Sunday. I will, but it's going to be very difficult for me to watch that game with Seattle and TFC. Doesn't mean I won't preview it coming up. And still to come, next, Black and Gold Breakdown. We'll have the Executive Vice President of Soccer Operations and General Manager of LAFC. He wears both those hats. John Dorrington coming up next. I am Dave Denholm. You are listening to Soccer Weekly on the home of world football here in Southern California, the home of the black and gold. It's ESPN LA 710. This is Soccer Weekly, the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm at Talk Soccer on Twitter. Don't forget, if you miss anything, any part of the show, you can always listen to the podcast of Soccer Weekly. Just search Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm on ESPN's Pod Center or iTunes or wherever you get your pod catching going on. It is time now. As we are a home of LAFC, it's time for Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this right now. And joining me now for Black and Gold Breakdown, he is the general manager 
of LAFC, John Thorington. John, thanks for taking the time. Of course, always happy to be here. John, let's uh, get it right. Get right to it. Of course, celebrating Carlos Vela as the MVP earlier in the week. Uh, a great season, no doubt about it. Records to be broken all over the place for LAFC, but you do come come up short against Seattle, a tough team who will now move on to MLS Cup. What were your thoughts after the match and now moving forward? It really was a special year. How do you feel right now, though, John? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously the way I would describe the emotions directly following the game is, the way the way this our league is formatted is an interesting one, and if you take if you take the extreme and let's say we went undefeated, yeah, um, which obviously we, we we did have the best regular season uh, in in league history, but in in the extreme you went undefeated literally, and then you lost in the playoffs like you did. Right after that game, you feel like your season you failed. Yeah, and that's a really interesting. Uh, it's hard to emotionally compartmentalize and be so proud of and and uh, and recognize the work that went into the regular season and not let one game carry an overly weight have an overly weighted impact on the definition of of who we are and the year as a whole. But that is what it feels like, unfortunately. And you know, in the days that have since passed, you know, yesterday was a week, and part of me felt like. That game against Seattle was two years ago. But <laughs> in time, I would say that clouded perspective, you start to get some sense of objectivity and, and gain some ability to say, you know, look, for all, for that, despite the disappointment of that one game, there was a lot of growth in the team and certainly much to be, to be proud of. And that doesn't change with one game. But that said... You know, it's uh, it's not easy sitting here thinking of what could have been, you know, here we are a Wednesday before what we were thinking would be a final at, at we were hoping would be a, a final at Bank California Stadium. Sure. We're talking with John Thorrington, Executive Vice President for Soccer Ops and General Manager of LAFC. You're absolutely right, John. All that being said, of course, I, I think you kind of alluded to it. That's why you still celebrate some of the great things that happened in 2019 for the black and gold. And one of them was Carlos Vela's season, the best season I've ever seen, the best season any of us have ever seen. And you did, you praised it with a great MVP celebration for Vela over at the bank. And you had some words to say about that. Just kind of talk to the people who weren't there, maybe the fans of uh, the black and gold and how that went. It was amazing. Fernando Valenzuela, everybody involved, just a perfect celebration really for what was in my estimation, a perfect season nearly for Carlos Vela. Yeah, I think, you know, for for me, it's that is one thing amongst many things that our organization does a really great job at those events. And it was a fitting tribute to Carlos and the season he had with, you know, a, a, a Dodger legend in Fernando Valenzuela and all of the messages we got. And, 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 and part of that was sort of seeing the crossover appeal that LAFC that we have had in to other sports and getting into the mindshare of our city, which has been, uh, you know, I think a, a novel thing here. And so there was all of that in the celebration and the highlights and, and what have you. One thing I would point out to people that weren't there that I think is unique and speaks to much of what we appreciate about Carlos mm-hmm. is attendance was not mandatory for anyone. 
other than basically myself and people who were <laughs> who were presenting. Yeah. And the number of teammates that showed up just to be there to applaud for Carlos, that speaks volumes of the guy he is off the field. Because everybody sees what he does on the field. But every staff member and in large part the whole roster showed up simply to just to be there to say congratulations. And as I say, I just think that does help encapsulate um, who Carlos is and what he does every day because I'm not sure other MVPs, when they would have been awarded or have been awarded, that they would have had um, you know, that same level of participation from their, from their teammates and the organization, but certainly um, was very fitting in this case that Carlos was celebrated in that way. I can name a few in other sports that I've seen over the years covering them, John, that wouldn't have. Uh, you're right about that. I know that's the truth. So uh, let me ask you this, and I've, I've been kind of discussing a little bit, even going back and forth in my own mind. I love the game. I love MLS. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be hard to watch on Sunday, even though it's going to be a good matchup. It's the cup. It's your job. I get it. Is it going to be difficult for you to watch that game? Absolutely. It'll yeah. be... As like a reopening of a wound, whatever portion of that wound has healed, for sure. I, I will not, uh, I would be lying if I said this whole week thinking of the anticipation and, and look, congratulations to those two teams. And they both, you know, it, it, when I try to force myself to get the objectivity and a clear perspective, I would say two teams right now feel better than we do in this like today as we sit. However, yeah. when you step back and you take a 10,000-foot view, which is in part my job, and, and our sort of uh, view of things is I would rather be us than any other organization. And that's not said arrogantly. I think that is just um, a, a statement of pride of what, what is done and one game while we will learn from that and do everything we can to ensure we're not feeling this sort of swallowing this bitter pill that we are right now. It's just, you know, pride and recognition of what we've started to build here and excitement of, of what is to come. If you are just joining us, the organization that he references, of course, is LAFC, Los Angeles Football Club. He is the executive vice president of soccer operations and the general manager, John Thorrington, joining us here on Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunholm. And John, it's a great answer, honestly, and it's it's truthful. That's why we love talking to you, because you tell the truth about how you're feeling and what's going on. You do have to look ahead. We got The business starts, uh, it never stops, frankly, for you, and we've talked about that before. So it is on to 2020, but more importantly, there's still business to be done here with the expansion draft, etc. You've dealt with that on both sides of it now in just a few short years that you've been involved and LAFC's been involved in MLS. How do we look at this expansion draft? Uh, honestly, I know I mean, you can't name names or anything like that, but I feel like you're in pretty good shape going into this expansion draft. Are you comfortable where you're at right now? You know, I think for us, it's it's always a difficult it's always a difficult period of the season, and we dealt with it last year with Cincinnati. Now we have to make a decision on which twelve players to protect. It's not necessarily your 12 most valuable players or your best players. There tends to be some correlation, but there's also a context of value around the league, et cetera. So a lot goes into the, a lot of components go into the decision making 
for us, but we have a lot of tough decisions to make. And given how we feel about our roster as a whole, there will be some good players unprotected. So, no, it's not comfortable thinking that we will be losing some key pieces, but I would be a hypocrite if that, if my, if my side of my, my viewpoint in the expansion draft stopped there, because we need to remember what we gained in the expansion yep. draft. Um, and, and, you know, we certainly are still benefiting from some of the, the players that are, have formed our, some of whom have formed sure. the spine of our team. So uh, it's a necessary evil, unfortunately, in, in MLS. And we will, we, you know, we're already working very hard to put ourselves in the best spot. And there's a lot of wheeling and dealing going on. As, as fans can imagine. And so we're, we're active and unfortunately we can only protect 12. I wish, I wish it was more, but, uh, that's the, the reality of, of MLS. Uh, there are a couple of me- mechanics in the rules that uh, for for things that you don't have to protect certain players in MLS, right? The, there's young, if I'm not mistaken, LASC doesn't have any of, of those type of players right now, right? You have to protect people if you want them off the list. Is that the case with the whole That's roster? That's correct. So the, yeah. the exemptions would be Generation Adidas players. So last That's right. We, didn't, yeah. uh, we did not need to protect Joao Moutinho as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then homegrown players, which I think in years to come we will have those that we, we don't need to protect and they are exempt from the expansion draft. But it, our current roster... Uh, we do not have those exemptions. With all the expansion going on, obviously, uh, John, you, as you said, you're a huge, you know, you've been right in the thick of it. Let's say we've been a big part of that, both uh, both sides of it. Does it look like MLS will keep the uh, rule where a, a team can't lose players in consecutive years? Does that seem like it's going to stick around? I do think so. I just think that, the, you know, the, the the genesis of that and the reasoning behind that is that it is, hard enough to build competitive yeah. rosters and to, to get plucked twice in a row is, is difficult because, uh, you know, the whole point of our, uh, to increase the competitiveness of our league, both within the league and, and in Champions League, what have you, is to increase your depth. So there are more, if you're doing it right, there are more good players that you could be losing with each subsequent year. So um, I don't, you know, obviously I, I don't make these decisions. I'm, I'm a part of the committee that has, be some voice in it, but I think it stands to reason that 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 rule will stick around. We saw big moves during the season. Chiki Palacios, of course, Brian Rodriguez, who played a big part with what you guys were doing going down the stretch. How much of that influences your offseason this time, John, in the sense that, uh, without getting specific, of course, do you have a lot of travel plans for you and the Will out there? Are you guys going to be out the road a lot? I mean, what's what's this offseason look like? Yeah, so there will be travel. I mean, we, we have our scouts on the ground that have obviously that, you know, they're working year round and, sure. and traveling and identifying targets and what have you. And you know, I, I don't foresee a ton of turnover with our group, but mm-hmm. things can change with, you know, outgoing transfers, things like that. And, and there's certainly nothing imminent. However, that's always a possibility. And there's a, a lot of discussion around some of our, our players and their appeal abroad. And, and then it just, when it comes to strengthening, we just, we've identified the key areas in which we need to either add depth or potentially a starter, but we do feel good about our group and the work that's gone on and the excitement of our, you know, the guys that have been here from, from the get go, these sophomores becoming juniors and, you know, Bob and his staff, 
do such a great job that there is value with each training session. So then that has that the cumulative effect of that for another for another year certainly will stand us in good stead. But we that we by no means are complacent and similar to what we did last year, we have identified and will continue identifying and recruiting players who we think will add value. Awesome. Always good to talk to you, John. Great stuff as always. It's always fun to talk to you and break down the black and gold here on ESPN LA 710. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, David. You always do a very good job of complimenting us. And I would, uh, having heard your broadcast, you also had a fantastic year. Oh, well, thank you. I do appreciate that, honestly. We are the home of the black and gold, and you made it easy on me, quite frankly. This team, John, made it easy on me, and I, I always say that it's a pleasure to broadcast this team with the way you guys play, uh, play football. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Of course. Thanks, Dave. You bet. John Thorington, Executive Vice President of Soccer Operations and General Manager for LAFC, joining us here on the Black and Gold Breakdown. We do have our MLS Cup preview to get to. Seattle hosting Toronto. You heard us talk a little bit about it there. I'll have so much more on that coming up next. It is Soccer Weekly in the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. It is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm, according to the Steely Voice Radio Man. That is me, host of Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA. And we do have to get to our MLS Cup preview. As painful as it is that the black and gold are not playing on Sunday, I was hoping to preview this thing, you know, talking about LAFC against Toronto and the Battle of the Bradleys, but Seattle won the game fair and square. The Sounders deserved it. They move on, and they will be taking on Toronto. One of the big stories this time of year, as you always imagine in sports, right, as you get closer and closer to a final, oftentimes it's health. And... Frankly, that's one of the key ingredients to this match. Despite the fact Toronto got all this way to winning the East and doing it on the road, but it's still really about Josie Altidore, right? And, you know, he's got, he couldn't play in the Eastern Conference, but didn't even go to Atlanta. I'm reading some updates from uh, James Grossi over at MLSsoccer.com, who covers TFC or covered TFC for this, you know. <sighs> Basically, Josie, I don't know. I don't think he's going to play. It doesn't look like it. In fact, part of Grossi's article on Monday was kind of saying that uh, Josie wasn't terribly optimistic. So that's a key blow because I know you can get through a game or two or a couple, you know, you try to battle your way through. Hey, maybe Toronto still can go to Seattle. A sold-out Century Link. You gotta hand it to the Seattle fans. I do not like Seattle Sounders. In fact, I sports hate that franchise. But you have to tip your cap to what Seattle as a city has done with the Sounders and how they've embraced this team in MLS. It's unreal. Sold out Century Lake for the third matchup between these two teams in what four years? Yeah. In fact, if you go. To Toronto's FC's website, it says the trilogy, MLS Cup, November 10th, 2016, 17, and 19. Now, they split the first two. What happens on Sunday? Quite simply this, in my estimation, first goal wins. That is not a huge surprise. And I do believe, I believe this game will not be decided by some late game heroics. I think this is a first-half game to be won or lost. 
Now, I know Toronto, they left it late against Atlanta, but you saw what Seattle did against LAFC. Despite that early Edouard Atuesta, beautiful free kick, right? Seattle stuck with their game plan of defending, 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 and hitting on the counterattack, and it only took a few minutes before they got not one but two blows to the nose of LAFC, just bloodied their nose and got that lead. And once the Sounders have a lead at halftime, they are undefeated just like LAFC was. A lot of wins for the Sounders came with a lead at half. That will tell you the story. The first half tells you the story. If the Sounders struggle, and I'm not saying the first goal, I, I shouldn't even say it that way. Early goals are huge. And I'll just say the first half tells me everything. And that might be more appropriate to what I really mean. The first half of this match will be crucial. If the Sounders get up, and drag that out to the first 45 minutes, they're going to win. If TFC can keep it nil-nil as long, or even get an early goal, maybe take a lead at halftime, the Sounders are not by any means invincible. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to lay this on the line. Whoever wins this game, it's one of the worst champions in MLS history. I don't mean talent-wise or anything. The league has grown by leaps and bounds. It's just kind of a blah champion. There, I said it. Neither one of these teams inspires awe out of me, whoever wins. Doesn't mean they don't deserve it. Don't get crazy. Doesn't mean they haven't earned their way here and will be a deserving and rightful champion. Nobody stole it. you know. It's not, but they're just kind of two blah teams. Historically, no. But this season, eh, just all right. But that being said, CenturyLink will be too much. The Sounders are too good at home. 11 wins and four draws in the regular season at home. Obviously did well in the playoffs at home, winning two games before having to go on the road and get that surprise victory at the bank. The Sounders are going to win this game. Too much on the line. Raul Ruiz Diaz, healthy. Josie Altidore, not healthy. Big difference there. And that'll be the key. But, yeah, it's all about the first 45 minutes. Seattle has to just come out and play. I'm not saying you go guns blazing for 45 minutes, your foot on the pedal. You can counter. You can back off. You can defend. Frankly, sometimes I think teams have to do that more in MLS. Even when you, you feel like you're on the front foot, you got to change tactics even within the 90 minutes occasionally. So when you do get goals or what, sometimes you got to back off and let the other team come at you. And Seattle has no trouble doing that. Toronto will oblige at times, but Greg Vanny knows what he's doing. These two teams deserve to be here. It's just not going to be one of those teams that you're going to remember for the rest of time. Hit me up on Twitter at TalkSoccer. Don't forget if you miss any of the show, and you know you look, you can call me out on my predictions. It's okay. On Twitter, feel free, at TalkSoccer. But I'm saying it now. Seattle wins 2-1 the final. Maybe 2-0. Maybe adding a late goal at the link just to kind of ice it. But it's going to be a tough game. These teams are not going to surprise each other. Right? So that will be good. Now I have some surprises for you in the next segment. The MLS All Unsung 11, as told to you by me. Coming up, I'm Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. It is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. How are you? Hope you're uh, doing well, hanging out, 
here in the home of the Black and Gold ESPN LA 710. And now we begin on something I like to do called the MLS All Unsung 11, the underappreciated 11. And look, let me put a few parameters around this. You have the MLS Best 11, so nobody's going to show up on my unsung list if they made the Best 11, right? They got what they deserve, which is recognition for being the best in the league, and rightfully so. So the usual suspects there, Carlos Vela, Zlatan, Eduard Atuesta, Walker Zimmerman, they're not making my unsung 11, okay? This is a list for maybe guys that I appreciated that others might have overlooked somewhat. That doesn't mean they're not all, you know, potentially they're, they're big names, some of them. But these are just guys that maybe don't get enough love and publicity for what they do. All right, so I went, just to let you know, I went with a 3-4-3 just because I think there's a lot of midfielders and, and attackers who didn't get a lot of love. Easier always to try to, you know, come up with a more attacking lineup with these kind of things. Much like MLS does, by the way. They do a 3-4-3. So my MLS All Unsung 11. Now, Mario Ray is the great producer of this one. He hosts Stoppage Time coming up later. Feel free to interject if you disagree or agree at any time, Mario. You don't have to. All right. All right, but here comes my list. And Mario's seen as much MLS as I have, of course, this season as well, as we obviously follow the league pretty closely here. So our, my MLS All Unsung 11, starting with goalkeeper, it is the Vancouver Whitecaps' Maxime Crepeau. Now, this is a guy who I have kept my eye on for a while, played with Montreal briefly, didn't really get much of a change, but he was with Montreal for a number of years. But I love this guy. I think he's got a lot of physical ability. He's a shot stopper. He directs defenses. The Whitecaps were a mess. Mark Dos Santos has a lot of work to do to try to rebuild that team. Make no mistake. So... Crepeau with only five shutouts. Crepeau had 114 saves, but he was fa- he faced a lot of shots in his 26 appearances. This was not a good Vancouver Whitecaps team, but he did his level best to keep them in matches time and time again and had really big saves often and is very solid. So Maxime Crepeau is my MLS All-Unsung 11 goalkeeper. Now defensively, I'll just name you the three. From... Minnesota United, Roman Metinier, who is a guy that I love racing down the wing, but is really solid. He does a lot of little things. He knows how to play the game. And I know that seems like just a cliche, but I mean that in a deeper sense. He really knows when to get into the attack, when to help his team defensively. Ike Para deservedly got an MLS best 11 because this team turned around defensively. Make no mistake. And there were you know, Michael Boxall, a tip of the cap to him. They had some other defenders. Very good. So not trying to just single out only Metanair, but for my purposes, I think a guy who doesn't get, won't get a lot of credit had seven assists, scored a goal, but he just was so solid in his 27 uh, you know, appearances. I just love the guy. So Roman Metanair, he is in the back line with these two gentlemen. Alexander Kayans of NYCFC and Kim Kihi of Seattle Sounders who I think has come just gotten so much better, so much more solid back there for the Sounders. Of course, they're in MLS Cup. You can watch him on Sunday in that match. Those are my three defenders, Roman Metanair, Alexander Kayans, and Kim Kihi of Minnesota, NYCFC, and Seattle, respectively. In the midfield, another NYCFC player, Alex Ring, who I love for his style of play. He's very solid, a real pro, just 
he can he can do a little bit of everything for you. He's going to be able to stop if offenses coming through. He's got no trouble getting dirty if he has to. Not dirty in terms of doing the dirty work. Let's say he's not, he's not a dirty player, but he just he's he got a little bit of everything. Four goals, five assists on the campaign. He is a very very solid defender. I love him. Michael Barrios of uh, FC Dallas, one of the most unsung, maybe the unsung MVP of my all unsung 11. Barrios was just everywhere for FC Dallas, had, what, 13-some assists, I think, this year. An un- unbelievable number for a guy who just doesn't get a lot of love. FC Dallas is kind of one of those under the radar. No, Barrios, 15 assists. Now, the holy cow, and five goals. One of the league leaders in assists. He just had a great season for a team that was really under the radar, but did pretty well in getting to the postseason there. So congratulations to Michael Barrios. Latif Blessing, first LAFC player. He was just everything, all over the pitch, whatever you needed him to do, get rugged, get fouled, give fouls, go after people, score, assist, you name it, Latif Blessing. Go up and get a header. Yeah, go and get a header. <laughs> as small as he is, he can yeah, get up I mean, there. One of the best leapers in the game in terms of you know timing. He was just nothing short of magnificent in a magnificent midfield on a magnificent team. And yet he was still a bit unsung around the league. So he is definitely in my MLS all unsung. 11. And your dad's and, favorite player, right? Yes. My dad's favorite player. Got a good eye. That guy. That's right. He does. <laughs> Daniel Royer also of, N- of New York Red Bulls comes in as my all unsung 11 midfield wraps up up front. You've got Julian Gressel for Atlanta United on the wing. And I know a lot of more people are starting to talk about him. And rightfully so. It's not like he's unknown. This is not the all-unknown team. This is the all-unsung. I think he still doesn't get quite enough credit. Gressel has just been magnificent since coming to Atlanta United. And really just a guy who knows how to play. He's very smart, savvy. He can use both feet. He attacks. He's not afraid to get back and defend. He just does everything. 12 assists, 6 goals. I love Julian Gressel. He is a crucial cog in that machine that is Atlanta United. The goal scorer for this team is Casper Shabilko from Philadelphia Union. Had a really nice season as the season wore on. And once he got hurt, he got banged up, it was done for Philly. They were done late in the year in the playoffs. Couldn't do it without him. Shabilko is, is really, really dangerous. He's hard to defend. He is a player's player, and I really like him. 15 goals on the season. For, and no PKs, by the way. Speaking of no PKs and scoring a lot of goals... The final player in my all-unsung 11 in MLS, Mario, Diego Rossi for LAFC. Crazy as it sounds, I mean, he's an all-star, and people know how great he is. He's still unsung. 16 goals, doesn't even take PKs. All he did was just pump goals in and assists while watching the best season ever from an MLS player in Carlos Vela and still didn't allow that to stop him or overshadow him. He is unsung. That is my 11. Maxime Kripholm, Roman Metinair, Alexander Kyans, Kim Kihi, Alex Ring, Michael Barrios, Latif, Daniel Royer, Julian Gressel, Casper Shabilko, and Diego Rossi. My all-MLS unsung 11. If you disagree or agree, feel free. Hit me up at Talk Soccer. Stoppage time is next with Mario. I am Dave Dunholm, ESPN LA 710. If you did miss anything, like the Black and Gold Breakdown, of course, our interview with John Thorington, or if you wanted to hear my thoughts on the U.S. Under-17 debacle, or my MLS All-Unsung 11, which I just announced, feel free to podcast the show 
at soccer, or I beg your pardon, at Talk Soccer on Twitter. You can get the link. I'll send it, put it up as soon as I can after the show. We, you know, re-blast it out the next day, of course. Or you can just go to the Pod Center at ESPN or iTunes, wherever your podcatcher is, and search for Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm. We'd appreciate that. It is time for the best radio segment of all the radio, Stoppage Time. What time is it? It's Stoppage Time! Yeah! Stoppage Time! It's Stoppage Time! Right now! Did I just embarrassingly whisper that? That is ridiculous. He will never be stupid enough to embarrass himself. He's always cool. He's the host of Stoppage Time and the producer of LAFC and ESPN LA's Soccer Weekly here. It's the great Mario Reese. Mario, how are you, buddy? I disagree on that. I embarrass myself all the time, <laughs> but <laughs> I try not to. You look cool doing it. I don't know. I mean, that's just... Uh... I don't disagree with your unsung 11, though, Dave. That was pretty good, especially uh, Julian Gressel. I like that guy. Yeah, He's a he very important piece of Atlanta, and uh, I really like that. Without a doubt. Couldn't agree more. Now, let's keep that theme of uh, how tough it's going to be for uh, this weekend to watch the MLS Cup. Oh. I mean, you talked to uh, John Thorrington about it, and uh, you were talking earlier about the show about it. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's going to be so tough. I mean, we, you and I, we put so much into this, this LAFC season. You know, we get we kind of get invested, right? We get so oh, yeah. close to the team. You even get to uh, get kind of friendly with some of the players and – we miss like Easter sometimes or we miss like uh, a birthday sure. or something. So all that, you know, we're thinking maybe it'll be all be worth it if we can get that cup. And you know what I mean? I like, wanted a ring, Mario. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> right. I'm going to be I'll be honest with you. I wanted it for sure, man. I never been so invested in a team ever, honestly, yeah. Yeah. ever. And it just took a toll, man. I'm not going to lie. It got kind of emotional I, and it just came to a halt. All you of a sudden. It, here, here's the thing. I'm going to make this a little easier on you. It is tough. You're yeah. right. I'm going to make it a little easier on you. You're the producer of this show, so it's your show. You're, you know, I'm not your boss or anything. You're, you're, you're the man who runs the show. But I'm going to, I'm going to put the, the hammer down so it'll make you feel a little better. Please. I, de- I demand you watch it for Soccer Weekly, Mario. You have to do your job only. That's the only reason. I guess. Okay. But you have to watch it just based on this show, and we're going to talk more about it, of course, next week on the show. After the game, which comes up this weekend. So you have to watch it I was gonna only watch for your it job. Anyway. Of course. I know, I know. We're all going to watch it. If you start to feel game. that pain, which I will too, believe me, you just have to suck it up and know that we're doing our job. But they, nobody reason. could tell us that LAFC wasn't the best team of in course. 2019. Nobody would dare tell you that. But of come course on. they're going to say, but you didn't win the cup. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what, Mario? They're right. That's yeah. the problem with sports. Even John Thorrington alluded to it. You know, it's just the way the system is set up. And here's the thing, Mario. You know how giddy Seattle was after they won over at the bank, right? Yeah. The, fan, the fans that did make the trip and all the players, the team, they were going nuts. They could be very disappointed on Sunday. One of those teams certainly will be. You know what I mean? It's just going to be only one team that can celebrate. That's just the way it is. Yeah, another, another way to get over it is there's always next year, right? In sports, there's Absolutely. always the next season. There's always the next game. So I guess we look forward to that, you know? Yeah, and I hate to keep going back to him, but I, I do want to keep referencing this interview with John. Even John Thorrington said, look, here's the, I would rather be LAFC, right? I, I'm paraphrasing. Yes. But I, I would rather be our organization. Of course, that's he's just right. Going forward, because sports are all about the now, but they're all about what's next, too. Right? I mean, we love to look at history. That's great. And you can't take it away from anyone, right? The Galaxy right. have won five cups. Uh, other t- DC United has had a great history. But sports are about today and tomorrow, really, in the, in the grand scheme of things. So today, 
We're a little disappointed, no doubt. A lot disappointed. It's going to be tough on Sunday. Tomorrow, 2020, we got the Champions League and still the best roster and the best team at MLS to start the season. That's the bottom line. And for a quick prediction, just I know we got to wrap up here for this weekend. I got uh, Seattle over Toronto. Seattle with that big win, of course, over, you know, yep. LAFC, you know, but and Toronto a little bit banged up. So I'm going to go with Seattle. They got to be feeling feeling good going in. I feel the same. He is Mario Ruiz. I'm Dave Dadhome. You are listening to Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710.